They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching, and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching to their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, take these words and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to be here, and let me say once again that uh, Rosemary wanted to bring her greetings, and we've also promised to bring greetings from all of our congregations, and we will bring, if it's all right, we will bring your greetings back to them. The lesson this morning is quite quite a long lesson. It's a bit dangerous giving an African bishop a long lesson to preach on. because African bishops tend to preach for quite a while. But uh, this lesson deals with four scenes that happen over a 24-hour period in Jesus' life, right at the beginning of his ministry. For Christians, these stories are familiar stories. Uh, And yet, there are some odd things about these stories. There are things that should be surprising to us. First of all, The stories are stunning in the scope of Jesus' ministry, which is portrayed here. Jesus is seen in these stories as a teacher, 
who, bring, who proclaims the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He, he heals all kinds of diseases, it says in, the, in, these, in this passage. Not just one. He doesn't specialize in one kind of healing, but every, there is nothing that is too difficult for him. And he drives out demons. He exercises people. Uh, and it's also stunning in the pace which is set at the beginning of Mark's gospel. The translation which we just read, which is the New International, I guess, fudged over a bit of the language here in the Greek because in Mark's telling of this story, he uses the word immediately over and over again. So much so that some scholars think, well, he just uses the word immediately as a, as a kind of comma and the next thing to happen and the next thing. But actually, it gives you the impression that, that Mark thought that Jesus' ministry was very fast-paced, at least at this point in Jesus' ministry. Things were just happening one after the other very quickly. This happened, then that happened. Uh, there's not a lot of time to, to examine all the richness of this text, but let me go through quickly, like Mark was going through quickly, the four scenes that are in this passage. The first scene takes place in the synagogue. And as far as we can tell, this is the first miracle that Jesus ever uh, participated in. Probably the first miracle he ever did. Uh, it's an exorcism. This is significant in itself. The first thing that happens in Jesus' ministry while he is preaching is that he has spiritual opposition. The demons know who he is and they oppose him. They want to stop what he is doing. They want to stop what he is teaching. Uh, the first letter of John tells us that the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. And in fact, this is what happens. This is even what the demon says. Have you come to destroy us? Well, the answer is yes. That is the reason that Jesus came, says the first letter of John. This, this passage reminds us of the entirety, actually, of the biblical story. Because in the book of Genesis, we read that the fall of Adam and Eve had something to do with a tempter, with an evil one, with someone who opposed God's will and wanted to break God's creation. And through him and through our first ancestors, sin and death entered into the world. The ministry of Jesus is to oppose that evil, to oppose sin and death, and finally to destroy it. Jesus came teaching that God's kingdom is being established. God's kingdom is coming. And he not only teaches it, but he demonstrates that reality. The second scene is moves from the synagogue to the house. Actually, if you go to Capernaum, you can visit this synagogue. There is a beautiful 4th or 5th century uh, Byzantine synagogue in Capernaum, which is right on the Sea of Galilee. And it's built on the foundations of the 1st century synagogue where Jesus would have preached. And if you walk out of that synagogue and walk just a block down the street, you will get to what many people believe was Peter's house. Uh, people believe that because there is very early Christian graffiti written there. Uh, it was obviously a place of pilgrimage from the earliest days. So Jesus goes from the synagogue just down the street a bit to Peter's house. And Peter's mother-in-law is there. 
So the first thing that happens in Peter's house is they tell Jesus that Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And immediately, we are told by Mark, Jesus healed her. Uh, Mark uses an interesting phrase, actually. He took her by the hand and he raised her up. It's the same kind of language which is used at the end of the gospel for Jesus being raised from the dead. I'm, I'm not sure if Mark intended that echo, but I think he probably did. Mark is showing us that right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he has come to bring new life and that he will eventually bring that new life for the world through his death and resurrection. There's a bit of an uncomfortable bit in this story of the raising of Peter's mother-in-law. I have heard some uh, get very uncomfortable with the fact that this woman is, is healed and then immediately begins serving as if the purpose of women is to serve men. I don't think that's the point, actually. Actually, the purpose of human beings is to serve one another. And Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, will say that the reason he has come is to serve. Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's appropriate that Peter's mother-in-law serves, not because she's a woman, but because she has been healed and given a gift of health so that she can then uh, serve other people, just as when we are healed, when we are redeemed, we can serve one another because we follow, as the book you have about the queen says, we follow a servant king. Whether we are male or female or black or white or red or yellow or Jew or Gentile. Jesus came to serve and he calls us to serve one another and to serve his fallen and suffering world and to bring uh, the redemption that he has won for us to that world. But of course the scene in, in the house continues uh, because it's not just Peter's mother-in-law, who encounters Jesus as a healer in that house. But when, when the Sabbath is ended, when the sun goes down, the good Jewish people of Capernaum uh, wait and then come to the house to, and they bring all of their sick, all of those who are possessed by demons, they bring to Jesus for healing. And Mark tells us he healed all kinds of diseases. There is nothing too difficult for Jesus. We've been living in the midst of violence in the last few months in Gambella. Uh, our poor New Air people, who are the majority of the refugees in our area, have been fleeing from war in South Sudan. But that has tipped the balance of the ethnic divisions in Gambella. And now the New Air, who have come in, are the majority people in Gambella. That has made other people very nervous. Uh, it, it make, imagine... Uh, that, that London was suddenly, in the period of a few months, uh, overwhelmed with people who didn't speak English. I mean, it's already happening a bit, isn't it? Who didn't speak English, who are not from here, who don't know how things work. And suddenly, very suddenly, the entire culture shifts. Now, in the Western world, this has been happening gradually. We're able to accommodate newcomers who come. We're able to help them to integrate into society. In Gambella, it's been very difficult with the population literally 
doubling in a period of a few months from December 2013. Uh, and these people have very different conceptions of land and how culture works. And so it's ended in violence in the last few months. It's been very difficult. We see very hopeful signs. But we know that this is the kind of world that God calls us to go into because this is the kind of world that Jesus came into. Well, the third scene is a different kind of scene entirely. After immediately, 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 this happened, this happened, this happened, the third scene is the next morning. The disciples, there are only four of them at this point, the disciples wake up and they can't find Jesus. He's missing. He has gone off to an isolated place. It says in Mark, to a desert place or a deserted place. He's found a place to be alone to pray. The Gospel of Luke emphasizes this over and over again. The, the third Gospel in our, in our canon emphasizes this over and over again, that whenever Jesus had a decision to make, he would go off and pray in a deserted place. Mark tells us that the disciples literally hunted Jesus down. They searched for him as, you, as a hunter would search for prey. And when they find him, they, they start to ask him questions. But Jesus needed to be alone with his Father. He needed to pray for direction. He needed to have communion with his Father. And then he ha by the time the disciples get there, he has direction. And he says, we have to go to other places to preach because that is why I came out. It's a very interesting phrase. That is why I came out. Does it mean that is why Jesus came out of Nazareth so that he could go to other places to preach? Well, probably not. There's probably something much deeper here. Jesus, uh, the Gospel of John emphasizes that Jesus was sent into the world. Jesus came from the Father to redeem this world. And he came out to preach and to demonstrate the Gospel. He came to mount a rescue operation for this world. The fourth scene is a scene about a leper. Uh, leprosy, the word leprosy in the Bible can mean any kind of a skin disease, but for the most part, lepers were isolated from the rest of the community, set apart. It was thought that leprosy was, uh, could, be, could easily be caught by other people. So the lepers were, were sent off outside of the villages. They even had to carry a bell. And when people came close, they were supposed to ring the bell and say, unclean, unclean, and people would avoid them. They were isolated. They were set apart from other people. They must have been the loneliest possible people in that society. This leper is a bit bold. He doesn't ring a bell and say, unclean, move away. He comes up to Jesus. He kneels down. The impression we have is maybe he was even grasping onto Jesus. If you are able, he says. Some translations say, if you are willing. If you are able, it says. If you are able, you can cleanse me. And Jesus looked at him, and again, sorry, former theological college professor that I am, I have to point these things out every once in a while. It doesn't say Jesus had compassion on him. Uh, the original text says Jesus was angry. But I don't think he was angry at the man. He was angry when he looked at this disease, when he looked at the fact that our, 
human race has become deformed by sin and evil and disease and death. Jesus is angry. And then he says to the man, I am willing. And then it says, he touched him. See, Jesus did have compassion, even though the word isn't there. Jesus touched him. He had no need to do that. Jesus could heal from a distance. He does on other occasions. Jesus touched him and made him clean. Because, of course, the leper's problem is not just a problem of disease. It's an internal problem of loneliness and despair, which must have come on this man. Jesus includes him. He gives him a human touch and a divine touch at the same time. He touches him. Now, there are four scenes, but there's also rather a surprise in this text. At least for for those of us who are from the Western world, there is something a bit strange in these stories. Let me go over a few details that, that come up in these stories. The first is that the demon in the first story is not called a demon, but an unclean spirit. The leper is said not to be healed, but to be cleansed. Yes, he is healed, but he is also cleansed. The demon says to Jesus that he is the Holy One of God. The book of Leviticus, I'm sure everyone's favorite book here, sets out maps of how to understand creation, at least fallen creation. The book of Leviticus divides everything into clean and unclean. Some kinds of food are clean, some kinds of food are unclean. We had a fascinating discussion with our staff the other day about what kinds of food Anuak people eat and what kinds of food New Air people eat and whether they were all able to eat the same kinds of food. For example, do you eat insects, I said. Well, some of them said, ooh, you don't eat it. And the other group said, oh, yes, termites, wonderful, delicious. Do you eat crocodiles? Well, one group said, yes, we eat crocodiles. The other group said, no, no, they eat us. You see, and the Jewish people, the people uh, of Israel, divided the world into clean and unclean, clean and unclean foods. They also divided places into those that were holy and those that were not holy. The holy of holies in the temple or in the tabernacle earlier in the Old Testament was the most holy place. The rest of the temple is holy. Jerusalem is holy, but not quite as holy as the temple. Israel is holy, but not quite as holy as Jerusalem. Outside of Israel, well, not so much. And people. Some people are holy. Some people are not. Gentiles are not holy. Samaritans are not holy. People of Israel are God's holy people. But they are not always clean. They are not always holy. Certain times of the month, women are bleeding. They are not holy during those seven days. They have to be cleansed after that period. See, holiness is not the same. Cleanness and uncleanness is not the same thing as sin or guilt. And people have struggled for a long time to understand this idea of clean and unclean. I think the best explanation of this whole thing is that holiness points to life. And that something that is unclean points to death. So if you are losing blood, you are losing life. If you have a skin disease, 
there is something about death which has invaded you. The most unclean thing in the book of Leviticus is a dead body. When we get to Mark chapter 5, you'll see that that whole chapter deals with holiness, uncleanness. There is a a demon-possessed man who's living among the tombs, living among dead bodies. And when the demons are sent out by Jesus, they go into the pigs, the most unholy of animals. And then Jesus is touched by a bleeding woman. And then Jesus goes and raises a dead body, a dead girl from the dead. You see, where Jesus goes, there is life. What should have happened to the leper, what should have happened in the story of the leper, is that Jesus should have become unclean. If you touch a leper, you become unclean. But not not Jesus. He touches the leper, and the leper becomes clean. The bleeding woman touches Jesus, and she stops bleeding. Jesus touches a dead girl, and she rises from the dead. Uncleanness is supposed to be contagious. But with Jesus, cleanness, holiness is contagious. Health, life comes from Jesus. Where Jesus is, there is life. Where Jesus goes, death is defeated. Jesus says to his disciples, we must go to these other villages because that is why I've come out. Yes, that is why Jesus has come. Jesus has come to proclaim God's kingdom, not the kingdom of the devil, that God is turning the world upside down. He came to, not, to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve by teaching and healing and cleansing and driving out unclean spirits. And ultimately, by dying on the cross, by trampling down death, by rising from the tomb, he demonstrated the defeat of all sin and death and evil. So we give thanks this morning for all that Jesus has come to do, that all that he, uh, for all that he has done and for what he is doing among us. Uh, here at St. Michael's, here in the city of London, and in Ethiopia, in Gambella, even in Eritrea and Somalia and Djibouti. God is at work bringing life through his son Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that in Jesus you have brought us life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we, as we leave this place, may go out with that same Spirit of Jesus to bring life to a fallen world. For we pray in his name. Amen.